Storm Bowling Products, the Bowlers Company, presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Tim Berg and Kendall Miles. Above180.com's Tim Berg and Storm's web content manager and former collegiate bowler at Weber International University, Kendall Miles, are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Tim and Kendall. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Nick Crummel. Nick bowled collegiately at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. He also recently won two USBC Open Championship Eagles. Nick, it's Tim Berg and Kendall Miles here. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, happy to be here. All right, Excited Nick. to see where this conversation goes. Oh, well, we got a lot of stuff we can bring up with you. You're, you're, the, you're the man of the hour regarding what went on in Reno, what just ended, and, and what became official. But what I'd like to begin with is your time bowling in college at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. What led you, an Illinois kid growing up in northern Illinois, to go and move up north just a little bit and bowl collegiately for the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater? Why was that the right fit for you? Uh, well, um, it's kind of a, a little bit of a long story, but I'll try to shorten it up as much as possible. But, I mean, the short shortest part is right out of high school, I wasn't recruited to go anywhere, like, just bowling-wise, and I didn't really know where I wanted to go or what I wanted to study. Um, and I was at a youth, youth tournament, and Sean Walkner, who was a the coach for got 10 years probably gonna hate me if I don't that I don't know exactly how many years but I'd say it was around 10 to 12 years but um yeah he was he was it was very early on in his coaching um and he just straight up asked me he's like where are you going to school I was like well not going to school anywhere and this is his favorite story is saying I was like the easiest recruit he's ever had and I was like so I just said all right well take me on a tour so he ended up taking me on a tour there and we I mean that was the only applicant college application I ever filled out got in and went there in the fall um really didn't didn't look too many other places and just didn't have that much interest I guess in looking and searching and going crazy about it so ended up going there and uh, absolutely loved the the four years there I mean you guys were one of some, and we went to college around the same time, of course, and you guys were some of the fiercest competitive teams that we faced really the, the whole time being there. Uh, you guys did some special stuff. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you advanced as a bowler. Cause again, you, you did kind of go out on, on the tour scene and, and again, found success on the line. Tell us a little bit of how much you grew as a bowler um, and what aspect stands out to you the most um, from your freshman to your senior year. Uh, and it's a tough one, but I'd say the, the biggest thing is just understanding how to play the entire lane. Um, I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of the kids now are a little bit more prepared with the more sports shots and, you know, more tournaments like that out, but I didn't have that many, um, tournaments, you know, until I was maybe like 16, 17, you know, maybe even later to really get it you know, a good grasp on how to play the entire lane. So I think just when I got there, it was kind of a culture shock and how, how fast you have to move left and understanding ball motion and under, like being able to really change hand positions and speeds. Cause you know, with college tournaments, not much, that many, much 
you know, room for bowling balls. So, you know, you're bringing five to tier ones. I think five is the max, if I remember correctly. And then six, you know, we took six to, you know, smaller tournaments. But, you know, when you're going out to other tournaments, I mean, shoot, taking three, four bags in uh, with bowling balls. So I think the, the best part, you know, that just advancing in my game, other than the knowledge of it, I think is just being able to play the entire part of the lane and like successfully, you got to be able to play up five to break the lane down for the team. And then you got to be able to, you know, loft it 25 feet down the lane about game five. So I think just in general, that was probably the biggest help of college bowling in, in general is just being able to be confident in standing on any part of the lane in front of the ball return or all the way to the right. So moving along then, as as uh, most people know, you um, competed at the USBC Open Championships, competed very, very well out there. And... Um, and let's talk about that performance and let's let's be before that let's talk about your preparation for the event and what you were how you were preparing and what you were hearing from from folks out there as well as as you guys prepared to go out to uh, Reno well i'd say i don't really like to listen too much to what people have to say when when they go i like to go by you know visuals and Nowadays, USBC wants to, you know, show as little visual as possible when it comes to their videos or graphs or anything, which, you know, I don't really disagree or agree with completely on either side of it. I don't really want to get into that part, but I, uh, I really like to go with, you know, scoring pace. So just looking at scoring pace, whether it's the bowler's journal for the singles and doubles or singles and doubles and general or scoring pace of team so going into it i mean just looking at scores you can see that team was going to play uh significantly softer than uh doubles and singles but i don't really know if we prepared or i prepared any differently than any other year it was just um we usually as a team we go i mean i have three other whitewater teammates on my team um, we just kind of go in the game plan, kind of like college and just, you know, you, they're pretty much sprints. So you go in and you just try to execute the game plan as much as possible. And I'd say, I, I think it was the, the right move for all of us, I'd say. Um, so give us a little bit of, um, maybe your ball progression, if you don't mind. And like you said, um, I mean, I went and bought a USBC as well. I kind of saw exactly what, what you're saying. I was not quite as well, but, I mean, it's phenomenal what you did. So, tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, ball progression you went with in, in team first and then singles and doubles. All right. Uh, so, started out in uh, the first game of team with uh, phase two um, pretty much right in the, the you know, track area anywhere i mean we probably started the game around 13 14 at the arrows and i probably ended the game around 15 16 at the arrows um had a pretty pretty good look but it just i don't know in my head it probably was was right to go for the, the second game to keep with that ball but i switched anyway um just trying to stay ahead of it went to uh an exotic gem 
um, rolled phenomenal, just didn't quite carry. Um, then quickly went to a Zen and then that rolled, rolled very well. Um, for pretty much for the rest of the day, I switched to, uh, I think I switched to a hyped Pearl, um, on the one lane that ended up blowing up on all of us. And it ended up not being the correct move. And I went back for the the 10th frame with the, with the Zen on that lane to try to get, uh, what was second at the time. And then we got, uh, quickly passed on our own squad to third, but that was, that was team. Um, if I had to do it all over again, probably wouldn't change too much, but I'd probably stick with phase two a little bit longer than I did. And then, uh, doubles was pretty much exclusively urethane. I believe it was all urethane for the three games of doubles. And then, um, a couple of my teammates were already throwing reactive. So I was just kind of watching what they were doing. And a couple of them, one of them was throwing a dark coat. I was, then another one was throwing exotic gem and I decided to just skip everything and go to a Zen and to Zen the rest of the time into singles. So not a whole lot of ball changes or any real lane play excitement when it came to, uh, doubles and singles. So when you going back to your team, when you started, did you think, did, did you ever almost overthink it and think, wait a minute, so I'm just playing around the track. This is kind of like my typical, what could be considered for some people, a typical league shot, taking my phase two and playing right around eight, nine, 10, standing at 13, 14. It can't be this easy, can it? Like there should be 3,700s if it's this easy. Yeah. I mean, there's just, I mean, there's definitely, I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, 3,300s probably, I don't know exactly the numbers, but there was a decent amount of scores around there. Obviously the one big number of like 35, over 3,500, but anytime you see scores around there, there's gotta be something. Um, and on the fresh, and in my opinion, when, you know, a couple years ago when 30 low 33s was, you know, the top of the top, then you know that you have to create something and then you go from there. But when you see a lot of 30, 34s, you know, I, I feel like, or up low 34s, a lot of 33s, there's got to be, dangled, they dangle the carrot somewhere on the fresh. So it's got to be something somewhere, and hopefully you don't screw it up for games two and three when it comes to your team. So walk us through a little bit of the moment, you know, as you guys were getting closer you know, to, you know, obviously you say you got taken over the team leave, but obviously you guys won, um, you know, more down the line. Uh, as you're making that run towards the lead, you know, what is that feeling like? You know, what is your thought process like? One thing we love to do is really getting into the minds of some of the greatest in the sport, someone like yourself. So tell us a little bit, first off, you know, what the feeling was like making that run to multiple Eagles and then also what it was like uh, how you dealt with that, how you dealt with the nerves, you even felt the nerves, you just bold. Kind of give us a little bit of what that was like. I mean, I think there's, to the point, I mean, if you have if you have no nerves, then you just don't care. But for the most part, I mean, there was definitely nerves, but my mind was pretty much set on uh, team all events. Um, we were close in team, but, I mean, those guys put up a number that was you know, probably unlikely to, to get to. So not getting to that number was, you know, okay. But once me and uh, Chris took over the lead in doubles and then Zach and 
Ryan both bowled, bowled pretty good in doubles, and we started out pretty hot in singles, everybody. It was just kind of this, like, all right, we just we got to buckle down and get to this team all events number. And, I mean, before you know it, I mean, we're all on our pair, except, for, I mean, Zach struggled a little bit, but for the most part on our pair, we were just kind of lighting it up in the beginning of singles, and it just became one of these things that just kept kept rolling, kept rolling, and we're just like, I mean, this is this is going to happen. It's just going to be by how much. And uh, two years ago, we took over Team All Events lead, and I just remember feeling like it wasn't enough that year, being like, yeah, I don't think that's a good enough number to hold on. And we only lost, we only got passed up once, and it was only by like 30 or 40 pins. I don't remember exactly the number, but it was just one of those things where it was like, I wish we one of us had that extra 40 pins, and any one of us could have. So in this one, I was, I mean, I, we were just talking. I'm like, I want this lead by 200. I, I want enough of a, a gap there that I don't, I'm not leaving, regretting anything by anybody. Like, let's get this lead by, by 200. And I mean, we're just going, we're just going. And it just was one of those things where it just, you know, it, once we were, uh, Sean, was there next to us keeping, you know, score. So like we kind of, Sean always knows, I like to know the scores. Not everybody does, but I like to know scores and like to know everything when it came to the team all events. So just kind of, you know, knowing the numbers and we went to the last game with everybody and we needed, I mean, the number was so low for what we needed. It was just like, Oh, well, I mean, it's going to happen now. We just got to, see by how much so we all we all ended up finishing and well our pair ended up finishing and nick pay was on the other pair and they were like five i think they were actually probably like seven frames behind us and once we finished sean comes up and tells me he's like you guys already have the number by 170 pins and nick's score is not even in it so it was just one of those things where it was just it was pretty cool to you know do something by that wide of a margin and feel comfortable because the two years ago we put up a number and it was like, ah, it's cool to lead, but you know, realistically leaving and you're like, ah, I don't really think that number is going to hold up. So this year it was just such a different kind of feeling. Yeah. How do you keep your emotions in check when you leave there with the lead in events? How much are you watching knowing that there's still a ton of good teams? There's still weeks left in the tournament. How do you, how do you manage that without, um, spending too much time and not, you know, we always talk about bowlers being in the moment. Well, if we're worrying about what other people are doing that we don't control and we're certainly not in the moment. Uh, it's hard to not look. I, I tried not to look much at all. I mean, I did, but for the most part, I just, I knew that if, you know, somebody was going to beat me or somebody was beating me or us, I was going to, somebody else was going to know about it before me anyway. So me watching it probably wasn't going to do a whole lot. So I just kind of let the text messages or, you know, the stuff on Facebook for through USBC kind of, you know, run its course. And it made it a lot less stressful when it came, came down to it. But I know for the most part, it probably was different for most people. Now, 
leaving with the lead in four events, I, you know, it just was like, I'm not going to keep track of four events. Why even, why even try? So it might've been, might've been a little bit different perspective if I had, you know, just left the lead with like singles and I only had to watch the single scores, every squad or whatever. I might've known, you know, when to watch every day, but for the most part, I didn't, did not pay close attention. You know, and so you're sweating it, you know, and again, what you've accomplished is unheard of for multiple leads and multiple events, and that's going to go down in USBC national history, which is amazing. Um, so you finally get the call. You've been sweating it and sweating it and sweating it. Um, what what did you do? What was it like? Walk us through that. Uh, I mean, it's just one of those one of those things. I'm not sure I really feel, you know, it's set in until I – get an Eagle or see the Eagle next to my name or any of the ceremony thing that they're going to do for next year or whenever they show up with the, with the trophy before that. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. It's going to, I mean, it's going to be cool. And I think I can say this for most people. It's, you know, going to nationals is about the team. You know, you, you go there to set up five guys to put up something and, to win team or team all events and the other, the other tournaments or other events are kind of, you know, gravy. So to be able to win the team all events and all events in a year, it just makes it even, I mean, more special. And I can't wait for it to like officially sink in whether, whenever that happens. Nick, what other, I'm, I'm guessing this had to be one of your goals as a bowler to win an Eagle. Now you have multiple. What other bowling goals do you have? Uh, I mean, there's so, so many. Um, I always think when it comes to goals, you have to have some goals that are uh, easily attained, like not easily, but, you know, are more attainable. Um, so you can actually fulfill them. But, you know, bigger ones have always been, winning uh winning eagles and you know i would love love to win an eagle one eagle in every event there so trying to win five you know one in each event would be absolutely amazing um i think i think that would that would be crazy but you know it'd be even nicer just to get you know win more than just one year you know, obviously, the, you know, having two eagles is is awesome, but having multiple eagles across multiple years, I think, would even be more uh, would show more of a long term success, and that's more of what I would what I would like. Um, I mean, I would love to win a PBA national event. You know, when winning uh winning my first regional was a cool one. Um, Winning regional player of the year was obviously a really was a, was one that I've always always wanted to, but I mean there's just I mean the goals are always changing. Now that I have now that it, I have two eagles, then they're just gonna you know skyrocket, you know more and more and more hopefully. So, but I think just the greatest thing about bowling is that you can just always have more goals. And so, you know, going to kind of wrap things up, uh, two-part question. One, what's next uh, for you on the docket? You know, obviously, uh, you have a phenomenal accomplishment, and you've still got the rest of the summer to finish out. What's next? 
um, for, you know, for uh, when the rest of the dog for the summer. And also, what's one piece of advice that you could give uh, a, a college bowler that's currently listening that wants to maybe be in the shoes of Nick Crummel, finding success on PBA Tour, finding success at USGCs, and really becoming a world-renowned player? What's a piece of advice you could give them uh, moving forward? Uh, did he, what was that first part again? I got, the got first so was just, what do you have? What do you have for the rest of the summer, tournament-wise? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so I got some, um, got some regionals. Uh, looking forward to that. Haven't really bowled a ton of regionals uh, this year. Moving to St. Louis area, been more hectic with that kind of stuff. And then a lot of regionals have been a lot further away. So I'm excited to get some, get some more regionals, get practicing for that. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tournaments around here when it comes to every weekend. So I've been bowling, probably bowled more tournaments down here than ever when it comes to Saturdays and different tournament Sundays. And just, I mean, I've probably thrown more games just bowling that stuff than I normally do, which is great, but I'd like to get prepared on some sports shots and get back out to some regionals. Is now, New Mexico open too far uh, for you, Nick? Will you drive out, out to Albuquerque or fly? Yeah. <laughs> I would I would definitely fly before I drove. That's for sure. Um, a little bit of far drive, but um, I'm always I'm always looking for something to bowl. But I try to keep a a balance when it comes to trying to keep your mind right and being not just you know giving up a couple of days of you know bowling stuff just to stake you know your mind clear because um, sometimes. If your brain's not in it, you're just kind of going through the motions and that can just hurt you for a lot longer than just, hell, just take a day off, take a weekend off, whatever. So that's, I guess, probably part of the uh, advice that I'd have for any college bowlers is that, you know, not all, not all practice is good practice and you don't have to bowl good to learn something. I wish I knew more you know, about having bad tournaments and really learning from why they were bad tournaments when I was younger. Like, I think I got a lot of uh, emotions getting in the way of everything when I was younger, like most, most people. But, you know, if you're having a bad tournament, understand why, like, are you just throwing it bad or are you the wrong part of the lane? Can you not manipulate your speed enough, your hand position or throwing the wrong ball? Do you need loft? Do you need more access to whatever? I think the best part, best advice I've ever given or, or gotten in general is that, you know, the lanes, the lanes are telling you what they want. It's just whether or not you can understand it. And just, you could be 200 pins out of the cut and find the last three games and just find something more valuable than it is making that cut. And you can just, take whatever you learned, make the next 10. So I think just don't waste frames. Don't waste, don't waste your entry fee. Even though, you know, it might be a wasted when it comes to money, but don't waste it when it comes to knowledge or anything. And in general, make your spares. I mean, it's just don't give away free pins to anybody. That was probably, probably my biggest uh, advice to anybody. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a college bowler. It could be anybody. 
Well, awesome, awesome stuff, Nick, and great advice there. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. All the best of luck moving forward with all your tournaments you have coming up and uh, and as well as you continue your bowling career. All right. Thank you, guys. It was, it was a pleasure and uh, hope to see both of you guys soon and uh, hopefully bowling against Kendall pretty soon. <laughs> I'll see you soon, man. Thanks again. All right, man. Have a good one.